Welcome, everyone, to another edition of The Beard and The Stash Podcast. This is episode number seven, Michael Vick's number. Um, John Elway's number. John Elway's number. That's a better example. Um, <laughs> that's, that's a better way to open the podcast, John Elway. Um, I'm one of your hosts, Troy Ballard. And I'm the other one, Adam Parker. And we have quite the lineup here. Uh, we had some uh, some feedback, and people were saying we need to kind of cover more bases in our podcast. So we're going to try our best from here on out to cover the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball in every podcast, at least in one of our segments. Um, so moving forward, we're going to do our best to try and try and meet that meet that requirement. Of course, nothing is nothing is perfect, and sometimes the NFL is going to dominate. Sometimes the NBA is going to dominate. You know, it, it's going to go with flow of traffic. And Adam, the flow of traffic right now, I, I think the flow of traffic is pretty much pointed directly at South Beach, Miami. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. It's uh, the, LeBron, the LeBron James show and the Dwayne Wade show have, um, have reached new heights. Um, you know, if you, wanna, if you, if you guys want a number here uh, for our listeners, obviously the Heat beat the Pacers and they've advanced. Um, they went on this crazy run where LeBron James and Dwayne Wade just were on fire for, uh, for the last, like, four games of that series. And, and now um, in the last two games, here's a number for you. Wade and James combined for 127 total points in the last two games of that series. Adam, what what what, what is that? Complete and utter domination. <laughs> <laughs> what what do you? I mean, I, I didn't even look up because I, I didn't want to see the the rebound numbers are probably up there too. I imagine the rebound numbers are probably. I mean, I know those guys average double double a game pretty much, and these assist numbers are probably pretty high up there too. Yep. I, I mean, what what do you what do you take from James and Wade? scoring that many points, taking over games, and closing out a series against the Pacers. What do you take from that? They're two of the two of the probably top three players in the NBA on the same team, and they're proving as much. <laughs> so really, they're finally showing up, is what you're saying. They're finally rolling out of bed and showing up after kind yeah. of... In, in, Especially Wade. I mean, yeah, I don't, know, Wade. I don't know what he did in that game three. That was atrocious. Oh, it was horrendous. Yeah, he, he scored, what, six points? Yeah, something like that. Five points, I think. Yeah, yeah it, was, it, was it was terrible. Was ridiculous. Now, with with these performances in hand at this point, with with we now we know that, that Wade and James can can dominate like this. I I, I have a two part question for you. I want to answer kind of myself as I'm going along here. Part one is now that Wade and Bosch or Wade and James have proven that, can they easily make it past the Celtics or the Sixers? Whoever ends up winning tonight um, in that game seven, and then if if that's the case, do they really need Chris Bosch in Miami? Well, if I'm going back to last year, I'm pretty sure the Heat had really no trouble with the Sixers last year. But this was before the Doug Collins era began. Granted, but still, no, I no, think, no, that, that was Doug Collins era. Still, last I think, year. yeah, still, I think if the or what it was, it was oh, his yeah, first was. season. That oh, that was his first season. Year. Okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, even so, um, I don't think, and I don't think one an additional year in the Doug Collins system is really going to help the Sixers much against the Heat. I think it'll still be the same old story. The Heat will end up coming out on top of that series. Now, Boston's another another hand entirely. Um, Kevin Garnett's mid-range jumper for one. <laughs> automatic. <laughs> we're talking. We're talking automatic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That guy pulls up and it's in every time. No, no. So, yeah, so, so, I mean, they need, they need to have be able to defend the post, obviously, against LeBron's and uh, Wade slashing, and and of course, there's no, but there's no stopping Paul Pierce. So I don't care who's on nope, him. The truth. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that'll be. I hope it's Boston because that'll be a much more interesting series. All right. So so so, so you're pretty much. Let, let me get this right. You're pegging it as if the Sixers win. The Heat have no trouble. They glide to the finals. Yep. If 
the Celtics win, it, it, it's it's a uh, it's a different situation, right? Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be more up in the air. Okay, having Bosch back by then would help, but like like you're saying, I don't, I don't it's unsure whether he'll, whether he'll be back by not. Or no, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of gauging that, that I think Chris Bosh probably be back either in the middle of that final series, or in, in, I'm oh, sorry, the uh, conference finals, and then or back for the start of the finals, one of the two. Boring if they get there. Boring if they get there. Yeah, exactly. So, so I have to, I have to ask you, you know, with, with this, with this in mind, and with the way that Wayne James has gone off, you know, the, the second part of that question is, do the Miami Heat need Chris Bosh? I mean, it's, it's certainly easier to win with him. Oh, oh, no question. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't expect these Herculean efforts from LeBron and Wade every night. They are, I mean, as good as they are, as great as they are, they are a human. And sometimes the guys just need need a night off to rest their legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I mean, keep in mind, LeBron James is playing like forty five minutes a game. Yeah. So you know, I mean, he's 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 stretched pretty thin. So. Yeah. You know, I'll I'll, 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 I'll I'll stick with you know. I still stand by my my original point that I made a few podcasts ago. I also wrote an article about it a long time ago. I said that Chris Bosh is the key to Miami's success, and I stand by that. Um, they need that interior presence in the post. They need that interior presence on defense. They they need that big man. And it, like I said, as good as Wayne James are, they cannot carry the load like that every single game. And especially against a team like the Spurs or the Thunder, whoever makes it in the West, those are two incredibly good teams. And you cannot expect Wade and James to go seven games and, and win that series. There's just no way. So Chris Bosh. No, 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 without Bosh, they don't have, they have any threat of post-scoring because, no offense, but Ronnie Turioff, Joel Anthony, and Captain Thug himself, Dexter Pittman, don't exactly uh, uh, full, exude confidence in the post. Full, full disclosure, Adam absolutely despises Dexter Pittman. <laughs> Beyond <laughs> despises. Um, I, I've heard quite a barrage of words to describe him. Uh, thug being the most commonly used, and I agree, Dexter is a thug. He uh, has no talent on the basketball floor. He's just there to beat people up, pretty much. That's all he's there to do, beat people up. Um, he could fit for the Bad Boy Pistons back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fitting in the, yeah he, Big he, body he's, the enforcer. He, he's built to play in Detroit, man. That, that's where he should be right now, not Miami. <laughs> um, so so, so let's, let, let's talk a little bit of Cleveland Indians here. Let, let's, let's transition from Miami to Cleveland. That's a big difference. Uh, palm trees and warm beaches to whatever Cleveland has. Mayflies. Uh, yes. <laughs> gobs and gobs of mayflies. Mayflies. Um, no, but really... Uh, the Cleveland Indians have had quite the quite the impressive return to relevance, but but it should be noted they did this before last year, and that's the big thing. They looked this good last year, and they fell apart. So, Adam, do you think this team is is built to last? And, and keep in mind, they're coming off a sweep of the Detroit Tigers, and the Tigers are like the uh, could, could you call the Tigers? No, I guess the Angels are, but they were the preseason favorites for the AL Central coming in. No, yeah. no questions asked. They were um, Prince yeah. Fielder, um, Miguel Cabrera. The list goes on and on. So. And- of course, your boy Justin Verlander, the AL MVP and AL Cy Young winner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just Justin Verlander. He, uh, that guy's absolutely disgusting. He is. Um, would you would you say he's the next Roy Halladay or better than Roy Halladay? <sighs> Man, it's hard. It's hard to say. And Roy Halladay, obviously, Doc Halladay is great and everything. And I don't even want to try to say he's. I don't want to try to say he's better because obviously, otherwise, I'll take up the whole podcast with you defending him. No, <laughs> but, uh, no, 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 no. I'm I'm open. I'm open to criticism of Doc Halladay. I, I I love him. You know, I I'm a Phillies fan, so you know, I I love these in Philadelphia. I love what he's done. You know, but there there are games where he is just not sharp. You know, yeah, it's the, rare. The thing, the thing, the thing for me that really separates Verlander from Halladay at this point is because it's just. The guy is throwing gas. I'm talking Verlander, of course, but the guy is throwing gas in the ninth inning, like 98, 99, sometimes even 100 miles an hour in the ninth inning after after pitching the entire game. It's it's insane. Monster. 
monster. So, I, I, in, in really, this, in their respective points in their careers, I think that, that Verlander is, is far and away better at their respective points in their careers because um, he's so much younger. But you have anyway, to... Back to the Indians. Yes, uh, yeah, enough, enough rambling here. Yeah. <laughs> the Indians only had those pitchers off. Man, can you imagine where they'd be now? But, uh, oh, undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, probably with their the defensive efficiency, they're, what, seventh in the majors, I think, now? It's all about defense down there in Cleveland. uh because they're pitching and hitting, that's all. That's all middle of the road, very average. But uh, Carlos Santana's obviously a beast, and Vesrubo uh, Cabrera is coming up. He's batting three hundred at the top of the lineup. But uh, or no, or no, Shinshu choose at, at the leadoff spot. Excuse me. But uh, now, anytime but, uh, you somebody three hundred batting in your in your order anywhere, I mean that's you know. Huge. Yeah, you can take that. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so let, let me ask you: Do you think that are you are you buying what they're selling right now? Are you are you are you have you bought in the Cleveland Indians? Do I think they can sustain it for a season? Is that what we're asking? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I just I think the Tigers are going to bounce back, and that talent is so over the top and overwhelming. I mean, I, I think it'll just I think it'll just take over the AL Central in the end. I I just okay. Well, I mean, it's a nice story, but I think the Tigers will take it in the end. Oh, right, well, let me ask you this: Do you think, do you think that uh, the Indians are are impossibly in contention to get that wild card, that new wild card spot in the playoffs? Hmm. It's possible, but I I personally like I'm like I like the Blue Jays possibly to be in there oh, for that. Oh, Jose yeah. Bautista <laughs> sne- sneaking yeah, the playoffs. Yeah, Joey Bats. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. This this whole Cleveland Indians thing. Um, you know, it's a lot like the Baltimore Orioles where these, these kind of, uh, you know, not great teams in recent memory have kind of started off like red hot. And then as the season kind of wears on and on, they get to that grind, then they kind of fall apart. So Yeah, same it, thing with the Pittsburgh Pirates last season. Yep, exactly. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens to the Indians, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm pulling for them. You know, I, I like to see the Indians back in, uh, back in relevance. So let's hope that uh, the old days of charles naggy and back then yeah, David yeah. justice yeah that that was uh, young manny <laughs> look, look see I mean, the, the kenny lofton deserve, oh yeah the list the, goes on and on yeah the list goes on and on so they're, they're getting back there slowly but surely i think they're still a ways away of course but i think they're getting back there um so why don't we why don't we talk this this kind of interesting uh an interesting situation uh the nfl and jonathan vilma really is more specifically jo- roger goodell versus jonathan vilma um and I thought James Harrison had a really interesting quote. Um, he said to always, always interesting <laughs> quotes. Yep. Um, he, this this is Harrison speaking on the behalf of the NFL, the the the, the suit, the lawsuit against Roger Goodell for the defamation of Jonathan Vilma. And this is his quote on it: "It is really a win-win. Whether he wins the case or loses it, he, if he loses it, it shows that Roger Goodell does have too much power. And if he wins, it opens up the floodgates." Adam, what 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 is what is your opinion? I mean, I, I, you know how you know how much I dislike James Harrison. Okay, I'm not I'm not yeah. gonna hide. I absolutely hate the guy. <laughs> I hate his guts. But oh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not even I, the Eagles don't even play him, and I still don't like him. But that, what, what put that aside? What do you think of James Harrison saying this? What, what is your opinion of, of of do you think his comments are true, false? What, what what's your take on it? Oh, I think it's definitely. I definitely. I think the comments are definitely they hit home perfectly. I mean. Because what, regardless, he's right. What, regardless of the outcome of the case, it's something. Something's going to stir up, and in the in the players' minds and the league around the league, it's just, it's it's just going to stir the pot whether uh, Vilma wins the case or loses. So, I mean, I I really don't think that Jonathan Vilma really has a chance in this case. No, um, he doesn't. I no. mean, I, I I think it's pretty <laughs> much a, a lose lose. Um, not a win win, as uh, James Harrison said. And, and it's really been a really hot topic, and we have a. Uh, 
we have some buddies over at the uh, Berg Blitz blog. Yes, check that out. It's a very, very, very good site. Um, they, he wrote a very interesting piece on uh, Roger Goodell and the NFL kind of putting themselves in the situation and um, in the situation we're at now. And, I, I mean, this, this question has been raised a lot by fans, by players, by coaches. Um, does Roger Goodell have, have too much power? And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of, it kind of went from like, oh, maybe he does. And now that this uh, New Orleans Saints thing is kind of blown up into a national spectacle, it, people are trying to say, wow, Roger Goodell has way too much power. And do you think he has too much power or do you think he's just right? Well, since he, has, since he hasn't abused it, I don't think he has. I mean, I don't, think, I don't think he has too much power. I mean, the years in the NFL has been is enjoying one of some of its greatest success it's had in years. Obviously, it's always been a great uh, cash cow type thing. Cash but, cow, uh, no question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think. I mean, he got he got us. Well, he 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 and the players' union got us through the new CBA and everything. So he got ten more years, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, yes, he does have a lot of power in the end. But as of right now, I like where I like where it's going. I, don't, I mean, as long as he doesn't over over abuse it, it's all good with me. So, so you 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 I, I you and I are in the same in the same group in this one then because I feel that Roger Goodell, although he does have a lot of power, I feel that he is not abusing his power. So in other words, he is a benevolent dictator, and in the way that he is caring, he the steps that he is taking. Although people whine and moan about player, you know, oh, he's making the game too soft and blah blah blah. He he is helping players. He is he is making player safety a top priority, and that's what it should be. And the fact that Jonathan Vilma is is trying to win an appeal, a lawsuit on the fact that I mean, I'm not sure how can the NFLPA back Jonathan Vilma when he did acts that, that pretty much were intentionally trying to injure other players, other members of the NFLPA, how can they back him with just cause? I, I, do, do, you see the, do you see the lack of logic in this? Yeah, they're kind of contradicting themselves. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, I think Goodell does have a lot of power, and of course the appeal system, that, that's a big thing he decides on all appeals as well. You know, should, um, should the appeals go to a, you know, a, a, top, a chair board or something of owners or something like that? Maybe. I don't know. But... It, it makes you wonder, you know, with, because because the thing is, the new CBA signs, they're locked in. There's no changing rules. I guess there, I'm sure there's some loophole where you can change rules, but for the most part, it's locked in. It is what it is. So, do you see any way out of this for Vilma? Do you see any good result and good end result for Vilma and Goodell at all? Uh, no, not really. Vilma's. I think Vilma's going to serving out the year, taking the medicine, and uh, Goodell's going to go on doing what he's doing and running the league and championing player safety as he has since he began began his tenure. And that and that's to be the he needs to be the end of it or he needs to go on. Oh it's there's always gonna be rumblings beneath the surface and it'll probably come up with the night in the next CBA, whether it's uh six years from now when the uh owners can opt out again or the full ten years. Oh man, another another NFL potential lockout just makes me sick. It makes me absolutely sick. Uh, <laughs> But but before before we get too down another NFL lockout let's uh, let's jump to uh, our favorite segment the seriously dude segment um, Adam this this is uh, this is our, <laughs> this is our favorite favorite part of the podcast um, yep. Lance Stevenson Lance Stevenson the Indiana Pacers like, what, wait who <laughs> yeah Lance, Lance who Lance Stevenson the Indiana Pacers was caught on camera doing a choking thing to signal that LeBron James is a choke artist in Game Three when the uh, when the Heat pretty much got blown out by the Pacers. Um, he was shown on the sideline doing it. LeBron James deflected immediately afterwards, but um, I believe it was Udonis Haslam that got into it with uh, Stevenson before Game 4. 
Um, Naturally, all the, all these role players have to do something to try to feel relevant. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 get involved somehow. But um, let's see how that turned out. LeBron James, um, the next game after he did that choking thing, I believe that was his 40-point, 11-rebound, 9-assist game. So, uh, nice one, Lance. Yeah, nice don't, poke, don't poke the bear, Lance. You're not yeah. Reggie Miller out there. Calm down now. Yeah, you're not Reggie Miller. You are Lance Stevenson. You can't back up. You can't back up that choking artist act yeah, <laughs> with actual it, good play from your end. So see, no, yeah, really, if, if if Lance Stevenson would have gone out and posted like, you know, forty points <laughs> and like LeBron James, maybe you know maybe it'd be somewhat justified. But the guy, I think, it was over three in game four with like yep. six minutes played. So yeah. Um. So so lesson learned here for the uh, for Lance Stevenson, I think, and also don't poke the bear. Don't poke <laughs> the bear. Do not taunt LeBron James. And just try to show a little bit more class. You know, the Heat, the Heat are, uh, are are a rough team, but you know, show some class. Come on, come on, people. Um, but once again, this is the Beard and the Dad Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sir Ballard, and I'm the other one, Adam Parker. And thanks for listening, as always. Uh, feel free to check us out on the iTunes. It is uploaded automatically, so uh, it's time to go. And uh, check out the site as well, www.beardstash.com. Thank you for listening.